Hi, and welcome to the After Aston I podcast. I'm Katrina Wiperi, a graduate of the Aston Executive MBA. And I'm Jeff Savage from Aston's Alumni Relations and Development Team. Join us as we chat to our Aston University alumni and hear the remarkable stories of where their careers have taken them. We have more than 100,000 alumni in 100 countries around the world. Between them, they're saving lives, competing in the Olympics, building multi-million pound empires, getting on important lists and a whole lot more. Get ready to be inspired as we discover what some of our alumni did after Aston. Hello and welcome back to the After Aston Eye podcast. Today we're really excited to be joined by Simba Rambiwa. Aston alumnus Simba is the co-founder and managing director of Palm Love Care Services. When his late mother required care, he assumed the role of caregiver and witnessed the transformative and positive impact it had on her quality of life. This kick-started his passion for the health and care world and led him to where he is now. Some of you might recognise Simba's name as, in addition to his career in healthcare, he was a candidate on the BBC's The Apprentice in 2023. In this high-stakes competition, he stood shoulder-to-shoulder with fellow candidates, vying for Lord Sugar's coveted investment of a quarter of a million pounds. Simba, welcome to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. So, Sibri, it's quite clear that you're passionate about the healthcare sector. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your company, Palm Love Care Services? Absolutely. So, as you guys already know, Palm Love Care started out of a personal experience. What essentially we do, we look after our clients, our service users in the comfort of their own home. So, rather than them going into a care home, they're in their house and they're getting the care. And there's a couple of things that happen as a result of that. Statistically, there is evidence out there to show that people who are cared for in their homes actually have a better quality of life. And that's the reason why we do that. Oh, that's amazing. Jeff mentioned as well, a lot of this started with you looking after your mom. Can you tell us a little bit about when was the time that you was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what's going to be my business plan. How did that all get started? Absolutely. You know, the kind of position that I was in growing up and the position that I was in up until my mom passed away was, I was visiting my mom in a care home as an eight-year-old. And that's essentially was my childhood is all I ever knew. And that was normal to me. But actually when I look at it from a maybe outside perspective, that wasn't normal. It was unique, definitely. But that's where it really started for me. And I was seeing all these things happening. I was seeing all these professionals in the care homes, the nurses, the doctors, the carers do more of this work. But without really realizing, I'm actually absorbing all of this information and then later on to use it to actually run my own business. And whenever I speak to my clients, whenever I speak to people that need our services, it's so easy for me to have that conversation with them because I guess it. I know what it's like. I've been on that side of the sofa where they're like, you know what, (laughs) is my loved one going to be looked after properly? Are they going to have the right support? And yeah, and, and that's where we are really. And then that's the reason why Palm Love Care exists. And that's the reason why that passion is there for me. It's very personal. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very personal experience that you've actually really applied into your business plan as well. But how's that journey been like for you? Has it, have you got more into just feeling a lot more, more passionate about that over the years? When now I'm in a position where I'm actually running an organization, not only is that experience now personal, but I also have loads of people who I'm responsible for from a client perspective, but also from a staffing perspective. And I have to merge those two things together to make something work, to make an excellent service. And 
it's more important for me now more than ever because it's not just my story now. It's everyone else's story that's involved with public care services. It's Mrs. Jane Doe, Mr. James Brown, and their grandchildren and their children and their daughters, their sons, who are very much involved. So that story is, it started off with just me, but it's got bigger and bigger. With every single client that we look after, that story is now getting bigger, getting more important, getting a bit more complex. And it's more important than ever for me to continue that passion, but also having that business element to make sure it's structured properly so we can look after people safely. And it's beautiful that you can actually be part of somebody else's story as well. That's actually amazing, amazing. We're trying, we're trying. Can I ask, we've spoken to a few people on the podcast so far and something that often comes through is that kind of personal drive. It comes from something in their life. It's not just they spotted a gap in the market and thought, let's exploit that gap. As it grows, does that bring, obviously, as you say, it, it must bring more pressure is there a difference between positive pressure and negative pressure when it's coming from that personal responsibility? I think it's one of those things. I think I was watching something that Elon Musk said, you know, when you're a CEO, when you're running a business, there's some bits where he was saying there's some bits where it's really exciting, but the majority of it, you are the one that's dealing with all the problems that come. So there are problems that will come that not a person or an employee can deal with them the way you can when you have the resources to deal with them. So definitely that pressure is mounting. And however, as we grow, we have a stronger team, a better structure, a better understanding, and we're more experienced in terms of how we're going to handle and deal with things. So it goes far beyond that. So in, in terms of that pressure, it's a combination of both positive and both negative, I think, and they have to work hand in hand, unfortunately. Not everything in business, not everything in healthcare is going to be exciting. We're dealing with problems and we are there as the solution. So a lot of things, unfortunately, does come with a lot of negatives. We're dealing with people's health. We're dealing with people's lives as well at the end of the day. So these things work hand in hand, negative and positive. And hopefully at the end of it, it will be something positive that comes out of it. And what are the biggest hurdles you've faced so far? I often get to dwell on the negative questions. So what are the what are some of the big hurdles that have come up as you've been building, as you've been growing these stories? There's a lot of hurdles I think most businesses will face. And it's, I often say life either happens to you or because of you. And obviously we're an organization where we want things to happen because of us and things that are happening are gonna be positive and very impactful. So in terms of hurdles, obviously, one of the key things that I think most businesses are facing is a staffing issue. So then you have to get creative in terms of how you recruit people, how you entice people to come along on your journey in terms of what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve, right? So you get creative with that as well. And I think that we have to be working with local authorities in terms of financing can also be very challenging, but we've been quite fortunate to be able to overcome these challenges. But you're only as good as your team. You're only as good as the way you think and how you get creative and the resources you have as well. But other than that, the challenges we face on a day-to-day, these are challenges that we expect. These are challenges that we've essentially planned for. Apart from COVID was able to come back, I don't think anyone had really ever handled that properly, really. And it's such a big thing now more than ever, mental health and well-being. Could you share like a little bit about what's next for Palm Love Care Services? Like, What are your future plans? I think the future plans for Palm Love Care is we want to grow. We want to help as many people as possible. We want as many people to be a part of 
that story that started with me to be going along the journey and experience the kind of positivity and the kind of, to essentially experience the kind of impact that it had on me growing up and it still does on me today. And that's what we want really. I want everyone to be impacted the way I was when I first started this journey as well. So in terms of pre-pound of care, we want to grow. We're working with a lot more local authorities. We're working with a lot more clients. And hopefully we can not only take the business nationally, but internationally as well. Were there, when you arrived on the scene with Palm Love, were there some big players who were doing things differently, who your model is going to potentially disrupt? Is that something that was in place? I think that's a really good question. Palm Love Care, we're a small organization, right? So there are pros and cons that we have. And I'll focus on the cons more of us being a small organization or having a flat structure. We can make decisions quickly. If anything needs to be done as quickly as possible. One week, actually, it was quite interesting. We had a really good week and we actually gained quite a few service users from a larger organization. And then we went away and we asked them, why is it that you've moved away from this organization you've been with for a long time? They're very well known. And they said to us, because they're not providing the care that you guys provided. It's very personal. It's very person-centered. And that's when I realized, I think this is the point. Not I realized, but this is exactly the point to us why we exist. It's providing that personal care and going back to that point I made earlier, it's like, I've been where they're sitting. I can have that genuine conversation with them. And I think that speaks volumes within itself and that goes a long way with our clients. So in terms of, yeah, we, we want to disrupt the big players. Eventually we want to become a big player, but remaining with our true core values that we started with. So you're going to be factoring in every step of your growth. You're going to be making sure there's a bit where you all stop and say, are we keeping hold of the values that we started with? Absolutely. I think that this is the thing, values, culture, all those things shape an organization. And if you steer away from those reasons as why you started, I think you lose yourself and you lose clarity. And if you don't have clarity, there's no way you can buy anyone into your journey if you're not clear of your own journey. So therefore, yes, we'll always stop. I think it's best practice to always stop, evaluate, see where things are going right, see where things are going wrong, what can change, what can we improve? So yes, I think for us, that's pretty much standard. So just to touch on The, the Apprentice, because obviously that was an amazing experience and quite recent as well. What was your favorite task that you did? I think my favorite task on The Apprentice when I was on it last year was the prison task. I really got to, I think that was test nine. I really got to immerse myself into a character that I created and make the most of it. I think probably the reason why I liked it was that I got to insult people just for the sake of it. I'm pretty <laughs> But yeah, I think that was my favorite task. But don't get me wrong, all the tasks were great. I loved Dubai. That was a really good task. One of my favorites as well. But in the middle of a desert, I would yeah. never expected to be doing a random task. But it, overall, it was a really good experience. Very different. Not what I expected, but again, very good. Did you did you watch it before you were on it? As in fairly keenly, I'm sure you watched at least one episode. But was it something you were watching a lot of? I love The Apprentice. I have been watching it since I was a kid. And I actually applied for The Junior Apprentice as well when I was in secondary school. I think I got to the interview stages, but after that, it, it didn't go anywhere. But I'm a keen, keen fan of The Apprentice and I've watched it every single year. And then every time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, you know what? I could do this. 
Like I can do a better job than these guys. I can do it. Now that I've been on there, my opinion is a uh, slightly different. Well, that was the main reason why I even applied for the show. I was like, you know what? I'm watching these guys. I can do, you know, a good job in terms of what they're doing, if not a better job. So then I applied. I applied twice actually. The second time around, I eventually got on the show. Do you think the experience itself has actually helped you in terms of being a business person? The apprentice is 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 is. is I'm trying to find the right word to describe it. It's I will use the word unique again. And in terms of helping me, it definitely has. When you're on the show, everything is urgent, urgent, urgent. You need to do it now. You need to get your opinion out now. You need to voice what you want to say and what you want to do now. Right. And often at times when we're in our normal day-to-day lives, we're very polite, I will say. We'll just, oh, you know what? It's okay. I won't say this. I won't share my opinion. Even if you know... You have a genuinely good and valid opinion. And what The Apprentice teaches you, you have to say what you want to say, what you need to say. And you have to be urgent with it. If you want to go for something, go out and get it. Do not waste your time. And you often find that maybe it might be applicable to your goals, right? In the sense that you'd be thinking, I've got this two-year, three-year kind of plan to get to where I want to get to. But actually, you could probably do it in six months or one year, depending on what the task is or what the thing you're trying to achieve is. So it's just having that sense of realistic urgency in terms of what you can achieve. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that was just reinforced in me. I've worked in sales and time kills deals, so we all have to be urgent. But also, time also kills your goals. You know what I mean? If you can't execute, if you can't attack with urgency, you're just delaying your own achievements. You're just delaying in terms of what you can accomplish in your life. Did you pick up that message about seizing the opportunity as soon as it comes up on the show. Did you get that quite early? I think, did you clock that quite early? I can't say I clocked that quite early because you're, you're dazzled by the lights, you're dazzled by the confusion of tasks, and it takes about two or three tasks, if you haven't been fired, to really start to understand the process. And the minute you understand the process, you learn, you know what, don't fight it. Lean into it and make the most of it. And I think that I started to understand that maybe by about task two and a half i'll say into task two into task three and that's when for me my perspective really changed do you know what yes we're on the show the show has rules there's a process to it rather than me fighting it or then us fighting it let's use those things to our advantage for us to win the task for us to do what we need to do basically and get to where we need to get to will you be watching again now you've seen behind the magic curtain i think i will be watching again Today is actually the first day of the first episode later on this evening. So I definitely will be watching, but I'll be watching with a different pair of eyes. I'll be watching with empathy for the new candidates, not in the way of, oh, I feel sorry for them, but there's now a, a level of understanding that's now been unlocked and I respect them for what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve. So hats off to them for even putting themselves out there. It's already hard enough as it is to even get on the show and to get on there and to deliver what you need to deliver with the time pressures and the lack of sleep and all those things is absolutely well done to them. Got one more um, apprentice-themed question for you. And you probably get asked this a lot. In fact, I know you get asked. Uh, I already know it. I already know it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, we do have 20 minutes to get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Our communications officer, Indy, I was chatting to her about it earlier and 
she was saying, oh, I know I've seen them answer it before, but I just don't believe it. You've got 20 minutes and that's it. We actually have 20 minutes and I'll give you a little kind of like backstory behind this. Yes, we get that phone call and it is genuinely 20 minutes to get ready. And the reason why that 20 minutes is so important and why we need to adhere to it is that you can actually get penalized for being late. So yes, the 20 minute rule does exist. We do only have 20 minutes. And just to add to that question, you were thinking, but how do the girls get their makeup ready? How do you, you know, they look amazing in the morning? You get good at it. You prep as much as you can the night before. So you're not wasting time in the morning. And that's what happens. So yes, 20 minutes. And we can in life be ready in 20 minutes. So there we go. Urgency. Again, going back to the point of urgency, right? If something can take you, you know, an hour, you probably can do it in half the time. <laughs> what do you think are the most important takeaways from what you're trying to do at the minute? In healthcare, it's not necessarily something that everyone always considers, but it's an industry that's really growing. And one thing we need to take note of is that the aging population is growing. We're living a lot longer and there's loads of maybe different health challenges we're all now facing. So at some point in our lives, we'll interact with the healthcare industry, whether or not we're needing care ourselves or support ourselves or a family member. So this is an industry that we all need to be investing in, all need to be paying attention in. And for me, I'm a massive advocate to supporting people to get into the industry. So if there's anyone listening to this, any students or anyone just happen to listen to this, if you need any support, any guidance, I'm more than happy to support you with that. So reach out to me and we can have that discussion. So Simba, before we let you go, uh, every one of the guests who comes on here gets asked the same three quick fire questions. So here we go. What's the most valuable lesson you've learned throughout your career to date? Go for it. Life either happens because of you or to you. So whatever you want to do, just do it. That's amazing. Okay. What's next for you? Then you touched on a few things earlier, but what's next for you? Next for me is I want to conquer the world, right? I'm more confident than ever, especially the fact that I've been on The Apprentice. I've learned a lot and I believe in myself a lot more. So again, believe in yourself. It may sound like a cliche, but guys, these are simple things. I know it's a long-winded answer, guys, for a quick fire question, but every successful person, they, they don't have a special formula to us why they're successful. They just did the work. And that's all it is. There's no difference between us and Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or whoever it may be. All what they did was execute a really good idea and that's it. So there's no special formula. Believe in yourself and just do it. It frustrates me when people don't believe in themselves when they really should. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And finally, uh, if our listeners, Aston students and all graduates wanted to connect with you. How do they do that? If you want to connect with me, please feel free. My doors are open. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, at Simba Rambira. I'll be there. I'm also on TikTok. But yeah, I'll be there. Simba Rambira, find me. Let's have a discussion. Let's talk. I'm happy. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Simba. Thank you so much for taking time for us. Thank you guys for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining us for this episode of After Aston Eye. We hope you feel inspired and that you've learned as much as we have. Stay tuned for more episodes. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out the Aston for Life platform, our exclusive online space for alumni. You can get access to personalised professional development content, industry networks and a directory to help you connect with others working in your sector.
You can get involved in the platform by creating your own content. And if you can't see a network that you think should be on there, you can submit a pitch to be a network leader. Head to alumni.aston.ac.uk to get started. Until next time.